Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, I'm a big fan of some of the aquatic features you see in nature, if you haven't guessed by now. That seemingly random, unusual, and almost disorderly appearance of many aquatic features is really inspiring to me. I mean, nature takes all these seemingly random elements and combines them in amazing ways. And when you consider that virtually all freshwater fishes come into contact with some botanical materials throughout their existence... It opens up your mind to the possibilities in virtually every body of water that you'll find materials that we're familiar with. Sunken branches, tree trunks, leaves, roots, seed pods, etc. Stuff which can create these really interesting features to support all sorts of fishes. And this doesn't require us to do tremendous amounts of aquascaping in the traditional hobby sense. Rather, it's more about seeing how nature does it. And you're like, what? What do you mean? Well, think about this. We as hobbyists spend an enormous amount of energy and effort creating meticulous wood arrangements and rock work in our aquariums, trying to achieve some sort of perfectly ratioed artistic layout. Now, personally, I'd like to see us apply the same level of dedication to really understanding and replicating the function of nature in relation to its appearance and embracing the random nature of its structures in our tanks. When you look at those amazing pictures of the natural aquatic habitats that we're obsessed over so much, you're literally bombarded with the imperfection and randomness that is nature. Yet, in all the clutter in an Igarape flooded forest, for example, there's a quiet elegance to it. There's a sense that everything's there for a reason, and not simply because it looks good. It is perfect. Can't we bring this sense to our aquariums? I think we can, simply by meeting nature sort of halfway. Is there not also beauty and randomness despite our near obsessive pursuit of rules like golden ratio, color aggregating, etc.? Just because last year's big aquascaping contest winner had the perfect orientation, ratios, and alignment of, you know, insert trendy wood here, whatever branch within the tank, it, it doesn't mean that it's a real representation of nature, let alone the natural functionality of randomness. In other words, just because it looks good, it doesn't mean it's what nature looks like. Now, that's perfectly okay, of course, except when you're blabbing on and on about how your tank is a beautiful recreation of nature, as hobbyists tend to do online. We see that all the time. I think it's perfectly okay for hobbyists, for us as hobbyists, to simply say that we've created beautiful, artistic, nature-inspired arrangements in our tanks. A beautiful tank's a beautiful tank, regardless of what you call it, how you label it. It's that misappropriation of the term nature or natural that sort of drives me crazy. There's a disconnect of sorts, and I think it starts with our collective failure as hobbyists to take into account how materials like branches, leaves, twigs, and seed pods arrive in their positions within an aquatic habitat. Those factors have a huge influence on the way these habitats form and the way they function. When you think about how materials get around in the wild aquatic habitats, there are a few factors which influence both the accumulation and the distribution of them. 
In many tropical streams, the water depth and the intensity of the flow changes during periods of rain and runoff, creating a significant redistribution of the materials which accumulate on the bottom, like branches, leaves, seed pods, all that kind of stuff. Larger, more hefty materials, such as submerged logs, will tend to move around less frequently, and in many instances, they'll remain stationary, providing a physical diversion for water as substrate materials accumulate around them. Most of the smaller materials, like branches, seed pods, and leaves, may tend to move around quite a bit before ultimately settling and accumulating in specific areas. Perhaps an area with less flow, with natural barriers like branches or fallen trees, or a different bottom topography and other structural aspects like bends and riff, riff, riffles. Boy, I have a tough time saying that. Riffles, those are like a stream um, structure. Read about that. Yeah, they, you know, sometimes seasonal flooding or overflowing streams run through previously terrestrial habitats. And those, you know, create movement of materials, move them around considerably. And you might say that the material changes to the environments created by this movement of materials can have significant implications for the fishes. In the wild, they follow the food, right? Often existing in and subsisting off of what they can find in these areas. So yeah, fishes tend to be attracted to areas where food supplies are relatively abundant, requiring minimal expenditure of energy in order to satisfy their nutritional needs. And insects, crustaceans, and yeah, tiny fishes tend to congregate and live around floating plants, masses of algae, fallen branches, uh, botanical items, etc. So it's only natural that fishes would be attracted, you know, our subject fishes, the fishes that we want to play with, would be attracted to these areas. I mean, who wouldn't want have you know to have easy access to the buffet line, right? So right there you can see that there is some predictability and utility in the random nature of aquatic habitats. They provide enormous support for life forms at many levels. Now, any random stream in nature contains inspiration and ideas which we can apply to our aquascapes without having to overthink it. Now, sure, even the simple act of placing a piece of wood in our tanks requires some consideration. However, I think a lot of it boils down to what we're placing the emphasis on as aquarists. Perhaps it's less about perfect placement of materials for artistic purposes and more about placing materials to facilitate more natural function and interactions between fishes and their environment. When we make those mental shifts and accept the dark water, the accumulation of leaves and seed pods and stuff, the apparent randomness of their presence, we make a leap. We study the natural habitats from which our fishes come, not just for the way they look, but for why they look that way and how the impacts of the surrounding environments influence them in multiple ways. It goes beyond just finding that perfect looking branch or bunch of leaves to capture a look. We've already got that down. We can go much further. Now, sure, embracing some different aesthetics can seem a bit, well, intimidating at first, but if you force yourself to look beyond the basic hobby-oriented mindset out there on these topics, there's like a whole world of stuff you can experience and learn about. And the information you can gain from this process just might have an amazing impact on your aquarium practice, and that might just lead to some remarkable breakthroughs that will, you know, forever change the hobby, really. There's a tremendous amount of academic material out there for those willing to deep dive into this stuff, and a tremendous amount to unravel and to apply to our aquarium practice. We're literally just scratching the surface. We're making the shifts to accept the true randomness of nature as it is. We're establishing and nurturing the art of what we call functional aesthetics. I suppose that there are occasional smirks and giggles from some corners of the hobby when they initially see our tanks, with some thinking, you know, really, these assholes toss in a few leaves and they think that 
the resulting sloppiness is natural or some evolved aquascaping technique or something. The funny thing is that in reality, it is a sort of a revolu- uh, evolution, isn't it? I mean, sure, on the surface, it doesn't seem like much. You know, toss in some botanicals and the leaves into an aquarium, see what happens. It's not like no one ever did this before. And to make it seem more complicated than it is to develop or quantify technique for, you know, for something like this, a true act of human nature, I guess, is probably a bit humorous to some. On the other hand, most of us already know that it's not just to create a cool looking tank. It's not purely about aesthetics. The aesthetics are a byproduct of the function that we push for. And another thing. We don't embrace this dark, often turbid water, substrates covered in decomposing leaves and twigs, and the appearance of biofilms and fungal growths on driftwood just because it allows us to be more relaxed in the care of our tanks, or because we think we're so much smarter than the underwater diorama-loving, hype-mongering, competition aquascaping crowd. I mean, maybe we are, but okay, that's my typical dig at these guys. Look, (laughs) we're doing this stuff for a reason. To create more authentic-looking, more natural-functioning aquatic displays for our fishes to understand and acknowledge that our fishes and their very existence is influenced by these habitats in which they've evolved. Wild tropical aquatic habitats are influenced greatly by the surrounding geography, the flora, and the weather of their region, which in turn have considerable influence upon the population of fishes which inhabit them and their life cycle. It may appear to be completely a completely random process, but the reality is that it's a surprisingly predictable one often tied into seasonal flood pulses and meteorological cycles, which are well known. It's something that we can recreate to a certain extent in our aquariums. Think urban agapo, right? And think about this. When we add botanical materials to an aquarium and accept what occurs as a result, regardless of whether our intent is just to create a different aesthetic or perhaps something more, we are, to a very real extent, replicating the processes and influences that occur in wild aquatic habitats in nature. The presence of terrestrial botanical materials like leaves, seed pods, and twigs in these aquatic habitats is fundamental to both these wild aquatic habitats and to the aquariums that, you know, we create to replicate them. Now, random? Maybe. An aquarium, again, is not just a glass or plastic box filled with water and sand and plants and woods and leaves and seed pods and fishes. It's not just a disconnected clinical static display containing a collection of aquatic materials. It's a microcosm. It's a vibrant, dynamic, interconnected ecosystem influenced by the materials and life forms seen and unseen within it, as well as the external influences which surround it. An aquarium features life, death, and everything in between. It pulses with the cycle of life, beholden only to the nature, the rules of nature, and perhaps to us, to the, the human caretakers who created it, but mainly to nature. The processes of life which occur in the microcosm that we create are indifferent to our desires, our plans, our aspirations for it. Sure, as humans, we can influence the processes which occur within the aquarium, but the outcome, the result, is based solely upon nature's response. Pretty crazy, right? In the Botanical Method Aquarium, we embrace the randomness and unusual aesthetics which submerge terrestrial materials in part to an aquatic environment. That's what we do. We often do our best to establish a sense of order, proportion, and design, but the reality is that nature in her infinite wisdom, born of eons of existence, takes control. Now, we have two choices. We can resist nature's advances, attempt to circumvent or thwart her processes, such as decomposition, growth, or evolution, or we can 
scrape away unsightly fungal growth and biocover on wood and rocks and remove detritus, algae, replace our leaves and trim our plants to look neat and orderly. Or we can embrace her seemingly random, relentless march and reap the benefits of her wisdom. Think about it. Stay thoughtful. Stay resourceful. Stay curious. Stay observant. Stay diligent. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from 10 and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The 10.